1: seen the power of God again working within their lives and within the lives of the people that they ministered to. And because of that, they were being threatened by the leaders of their day to speak no more in that man's name or in the name of Jesus. And yet Peter and John's response to them was this. He says, rather it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, they were willing to take the consequences for remaining steadfast, for remaining faithful in the message. Believers
0: need to count the cost when ministering in the name of Jesus because there has never been a time when there hasn't been pushback when advocating the kingdom of God. In our time with Pastor David, we'll consider the cost of staying steadfast in the truth. It is very important that we are prepared for spiritual warfare when ministering the gospel message. But if we take our stand and remain steadfast in our faith, we will advance the kingdom and be rewarded by Jesus in the end. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Stay on Mission.
1: Jesus wasn't going to let Herod have his way. He wasn't going to run from Herod's threat or or fall for his trickery at all. Jesus would stay on mission. The calling that's been given to him by God the Father. There'd be nothing so important, nothing so fearful that would ever be able to pull him off of his mission. Neither would Jesus slow down. And he wasn't going to slack off he was going to continue and as he told her you go tell him hey you know what i'm still casting out demons i'm still performing cures today and tomorrow i'm not going to slow down i'm not going to back off i'm not going to quit i'm going to continue on mission of what god has called me to do in my life and beloved if the church would just be able to take that same stand we would make some major inroads into the world that's around us but unfortunately We bought into the lives of the enemy time and time and time again. Many look at the declaration of Jesus and they say, well, you know, he's speaking again uh, prophetically about what's going to happen to his life, even this impending uh, arrest and crucifixion. He says, on the third day, I'm going to be perfected. Well, Jesus continued to minister to the people uh, that were all around him, even knowing what was going to be taking place in just a few days. He understood the cost of obedience. He understood the consequences of following the Father's plan over the designs and the desires of the world. He wasn't going to slack off. He wasn't going to back down. He wasn't going to cower in the corner. He wasn't going to do less than what the Father had planned for him, simply because the world, its system, and its leadership were in disagreement with him. He continued to do the Father's will. And beloved, that's what we need to determine to do as his followers that we will stay and stand strong and we will press forward with the hope of the gospel even when it's not received, even when it's rejected and even when there's consequences that would come against us because of it. Jesus continued to do the Father's will. You and I need to continue to do the Father's will. Counting the cost but still doing the Father's will. In Acts chapter four, you don't need to turn there, but let me remind you of the event that happened within the lives of the apostles, Peter and John. They had been testifying of the greatness of God. They had seen the power of God, again, working within their lives and within the lives of the people that they ministered to. And because of that, they were being threatened by the leaders of their day to speak no more in that man's name or in the name of Jesus. And yet Peter and John's response to them was this. He says, Rather it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, they were willing to take the consequences for remaining steadfast, for remaining faithful in the message. The law comes up and says, You know what, you cannot say that or do that any more. Beloved, are we ready to kowtow down to the government or leadership or anything that says, well, we need to back off. We need to soften the message of the gospel. We can't call sin, sin, because that might offend someone. We need to say other things. We need to make it presentable. We need to make it soft. Or are we ready both corporately together as this small portion of the body of Christ and individually as members of that body of Christ to continue to stand for the truth of God and to understand that there may be consequences in our life when we take a stand for Jesus and we say this far and no further. When we take a stand and say, I cannot find myself being a part of this anymore because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that causes me to walk differently. I can't join in these things. I can't agree with that. And no, there is a love, and tolerance has a whole different definition today than it did 20 or 30 years ago. Tolerance today says, no, we need to agree with it. When in reality, we can disagree with it and yet demonstrate love, care, and compassion. But we can still disagree with the sin. Are we willing to stand and face the consequences because, beloved, should the Lord tarry, I believe that it's going to be harder and harder for you and I to stand because the enemy is going to push back harder and harder against us. Are we willing to face the consequences after being threatened, threatened, Peter and John, after being threatened not to speak anymore in that name, they went off to the church, and they had a prayer meeting. And you know what they prayed? Oh, God, they're coming against us, and we just don't know what to do. Oh, God, they're going to throw us into jail, and we're just trying to serve you. No, that's not what their prayer was. Their prayer was, God, give us boldness to be able to stand in the face of persecution. Persecution. God, give us the boldness to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus, even though it might cost us our very lives. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because of the work of the Spirit of God in his life, he declared very clearly, very boldly, he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. You might say, well, yeah, that's because Paul was was an apostle. I mean, that was the calling on his life. He had a mission from God. But beloved, you and I have a mission from God also. If we claim that we are children of the Most High, if we claim that we are the redeemed, the ones who have been called by God into His grace and we've received His forgiveness and His mercy and we are His children, then you and I also have mission We have direction in our life that's been made very clear from the Scriptures to be, again, the proclaimer of the truth and the hope, to be the salt in this world, to be the light in this world, to declare the truth of God's declaration and the truth of God's Word within this world. That's what we're called to do. God doesn't use angels anymore. He uses you and I. And some of you might say, well, that's what we pay you for, preacher. That's what you're supposed to do. You know what? No. God has called me to be an equipper so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. Now, yes, it's also my job, but simply as a child of God, just like you. But God has placed, again, the leadership within the churches to equip the saints. That's all y'all, okay? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus knew that the perfecting on the third day was that final obedience to the Father's will, even unto his death. He followed up by saying he must journey today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets fully understanding what lay before him on that journey, that complete surrender, that complete obedience to the plan of the Father, and yet he faithfully and willingly continued forward. Church, don't let us be those that shrink back. Let us press on in that full confidence of our faith. And you know what? One of the reasons maybe you are not able to stand strong in your commitment to Christ, maybe one of the reasons why you're not able to stand strong in your testimony for Christ is because you don't have a full confidence of faith. Because you're still, man, you don't know if you're in or you're out. You don't know really the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And maybe that's the thing that you need to get squared around with this morning to know that you know that your life has been changed, that you're born again, that the Holy Spirit abides within you. Maybe you need to know that you know that in order that you might have the fullness of confidence to be able to stand in the strength of the Holy Spirit, to be one of those who proclaims that truth and doesn't shrink down. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, he says, recall those former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What the writer of Hebrews is telling that first century church, church, don't you remember when you were first saved? Don't you remember the fullness of the joy that was yours when you knew that your sin was forgiven? that the old has passed away, all things have been made new. Was there a, a fire in your heart that caused you to move forward, that caused you to have great confidence because you knew, man, eternity has changed for me. My life is forever changed. Why? Because I've committed and I've submitted myself to Jesus Christ. He says there was a time in your life that, man, when those reproaches came, you when that suffering came, when all of those battles came, hey, you stood firm. You stood fast because you knew that there was a great reward. And that's why he's saying right now, even to that first century church, he says, don't cast away your confidence. There's great reward in that. But beloved, if you don't have confidence to begin with, you don't have anything to cast away, do you? You see, there needs to be that understanding, that knowledge that God has done a work in your life. And in doing that work in your life, he has changed you eternally, eternally. Washington isn't our confidence. Neither is the state capitol. Neither is City Hall. Christ is our confidence. The Holy Spirit is our power. And God the Father has given us our mission Because all authority in heaven and earth have been given to Jesus Christ our Lord. And he declares and he calls for us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Beloved, Herod was ready to kill Jesus. You need to run. You need to stop. You need to back down. He says, you tell that fox I'm going to continue on in mission. You tell that fox I don't really care what he declares because God has empowered me, God has called me, and I'm going to press forward. Beloved, don't let the situations of this temporary dwelling knock the wind out of your sails. God is not dead, he's still on his throne, and none of these things take him by surprise. None of the attack of the enemy that's gonna come toward you as a proclaimer of the hope of the gospel take him by surprise. He will empower you as you continue to walk in obedience to him. That's why even in the knowledge of his impending death, Jesus had this passionate heart for the people of Israel even knowing that within just a few days, these very same people are gonna be calling for his crucifixion. Knowing his death was there, he had such a great love and such a great concern for them. I gotta tell you, if I knew that I was gonna be put to death by some of you within a few days, I wouldn't have that much passion for you. I wouldn't really care. I'd be focused in on me, but I'm not Jesus, amen? Well, okay. I wasn't as strong as I was afraid it was gonna be. Jesus had a passion even for those that were his enemies. That's why we read down in verse 34, Jesus calls out. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As well as he knew and as well as he understood the surety of that approaching death, he also knew the coming of the destruction of Jerusalem, the complete desolation and destruction of Israel, and all the deaths of so many people all the suffering that was going to be taking place not too many years from then. He had so long desired to just gather them together as the, the, the young chicks do to the mother hen whenever danger approaches. And let me help you to understand something here. That understanding that a young chick has that when danger comes, they're to run to the mother hen and the motherhood mother hen wraps them in her wings. You realize that's not a learned trait That is a trait that was put into them by their creator. If that was a learned trait, there probably wouldn't be a second time. Okay, That's the kind of training that uh, you either have it or you don't. God placed within those young chicks, whenever there's danger, you go back to mom. Let her cover you with her wings. You want to know something? God put that same trait in all of humanity. All of humanity knows that their help is actually from God that he is the source of all life for them. But man continued to reject that and reject that and reject that, just like Israel did. And that's why Jesus says, man, I wanted to be like a mother hen and gather you guys, but you wouldn't do that. You've turned against me. You've turned away from me. And you know, just like those young chicks, if they finally think, well, I'm too big to run back to mama, guess what? They become food for the fox. And mom's not able to help them anymore at that point. Why? Because they've rejected that help. God has placed that inner direction into, the, in, into his creation, into man. But because man continues to reject God and reject that only true and that lasting protection in his life, man tries to find protection. He tries to find fulfillment through success, through wealth, through relationships, through power, and through pleasure. And yet he remains so vulnerable, he remains empty. He hungers for more power, greater wealth, deeper relationships, higher success, and a more lasting pleasure. And yet each one one of those eludes the real issue of man. Man is empty without God. And everything else is like cotton candy. You know cotton candy, right? It's, it's beautiful. It comes in all different colors. And oh man, it tastes so sweet. You remember as a kid, you think, oh man, I could just eat that stuff all over the place. And you did eat it all over. It was all over you probably as a child. But you remember how it was. As beautiful as it was, as tasty as it was, it just kind of melted in the mouth and it was gone. If you had a solid diet of cotton candy, guess what? It'd do destruction to you, wouldn't it? You see, the things of this world are just like cotton candy. They're they're just going to melt in your mouth. They're not going to give you the strength. They're not going to give you the encouragement. They're not going to give you the fulfillment and the completeness that you and I need. That only comes when we have a real, true, ongoing and encouraging relationship with Jesus Christ. John, the Apostle John, tells us In John chapter one, he said that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Jesus told the people of that day, I wanted to take you in as my children. I wanted to offer you safety and security against all the coming storms. I wanted to demonstrate to you my love for you But you were unwilling. You rejected me. So you know what? Now the consequences of their choices are going to come upon them. And those consequences, beloved, those aren't just simply temporary. Those are eternal. Jesus says you and your cities are going to become desolate. Everything you depended upon for security is going to be destroyed. In that day, you'll look for me, but you won't find me. You won't find me until that final day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. That was the plea that Jesus made to the people of Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. But, beloved, it's still the plea that he makes today. The Word of God is very clear when it tells us, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We as the church, we need to stand up. We need to be the church. Even though that day is fast approaching when it's probably going to cost you dearly to take that stand. Don't permit the threats of a Herod in government or a Herod in this life distract you from getting off mission. Don't let the schemes of the enemy of your soul discourage you or dissuade you or detour you from what you know to be right and true and pure in your life. Don't allow the advice even of a friend moved by fear be the thing that gets you off track. Be moved by the Spirit of God. Stay on mission. Beloved, you need to know what your mission is. If you're here today and you don't have Christ in your life, you don't know what your mission is. You might think your mission is just to be good and do good. Beloved, doing good and being good will not get you into eternity with Christ forever. That's what Jesus was speaking to those Pharisees about. It's not religion. It's relationship. And if you don't have that relationship, you need to get that right. If you do have that relationship, then you need to be those who, in strength of the Holy Spirit, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit within your life, we stay on mission, even when the threats come. And, beloved, they come in all kinds of ways. They come in ways that say, when a family member says, you're getting a little carried away there. They come in ways when someone says, well, you can't talk about that here. They come in ways when people reject you, your friends walk away from you. Why? Because your life has changed. You're not the partyer that you used to be. You're not the wild one that you used to be. No, your life has been changed. Are you going to back down? Are you going to go back to the flow of the world? Why? Because a little bit of persecution has come your way? Are you going to back off because some have said, oh, look at them, they're, they're just one of these, like I said before, they're one of these Jesus freaks. All they do is talk about the Bible and you're thinking, man, they're talking bad about me. They're saying bad things about me. I need to back off. I need to slow down. Let me ask you this. Why don't you speak to those that have been listed in Hebrews 11 who stood faithful to the end through all kinds of trials and persecutions. Why don't you speak to those in third world countries right now, developing countries right now, Islamic countries right now, those that have outlawed the gospel, even to the point of beheading those that would stand up for Jesus, those who are losing their lives or their families or their well-beings, their homes. Why? Because they would dare stand for Jesus. And you and I, we back off because people are going to say things about us. Oh, Father, empower us with your Holy Spirit. Make us who we're to be. Give us the strength and the boldness to stay on mission. Open
0: our hearts.
1: Change us from within by the open word.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us.
1: We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu.
0: We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.